Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. It is Thursday, March 7th. We are recording episode 108. Zach, it's been a while since we recorded. How are you doing? Doing well, man. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Since the last time we did an episode, the Patriots have won their sixth, I believe, Super Bowl. And a lot has happened in the NFL, and uh, a lot's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, never boring with the NFL. Getting crazy. Zach, for this episode, we have brought back some special guests that we like to have on this time of year. Uh, One person really near and dear to your heart, that is your co-manager, Brian Franklin, as well as Ryan Risher, our two draft analysts. Uh, Rish, Brian, how are you guys doing? Excellent. I'm doing fantastic. Are you guys as up to speed on the draft this year as you typically are? I will say no, I'm not as up to speed as I usually am, but I tried to be as prepared as I could be for this podcast tonight. Uh, Professionalism all around, I like it. And and Brian, you may kind of agree on this. Do you feel like this is a weaker draft than last year? Because I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Maybe that's why I'm not as into or as interested in this draft. Yeah, I can't really put my finger on it because it seems like there's some positions that really stand out, like defensive line and, and pass rushers. There's a lot of depth and a lot of depth up top this year too. But I guess maybe because there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks like there were last year, it's just not feels like it's not getting hyped as much. Do you feel like that at all? Uh, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's not really an exciting draft by any means. I'm kind of echoing the same thing, guys. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a big defensive draft, and for – uh, the sake of this podcast being a fantasy football podcast, it seems a little light this year, uh, but I think uh, I think we have plenty to talk about here. So let's just uh, do a quick review. Last week was the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Some of the guys that stood out, maybe in a good way and a bad way. Uh, I'll start with you, Rish. Who was who was one guy that that you heard a lot about and you saw uh, some combine numbers that really stood out in a big way? Well, uh, really, I mean, golly, that's the thing, you know. Tight end, you know, Noah Fant looked really exciting. Other than that, I mean, really, Ole Miss, both wide receivers, I think, could be great threats. I like the idea of a six foot four wide receiver at 230, like DK Metcalf uh, and AJ Brown. That's for him to be 230 pounds and running as fast as he is on a 40, it's pretty intimidating. Brian, what about you? Who, who stood out to you uh, in maybe a good way or a bad way from last week? Well, the good, definitely the guys that Risher mentioned, Metcalf really stood out, and I really like Noah Fant a lot. Um, I thought he looked great, but getting a little deeper, some of the guys that I'm not going to say that these guys are going to have great rookie seasons or great pro careers, but if we're just talking about guys that stood out at the combine, you got to look at somebody like uh, Justice Hill running back from Oklahoma State, who was first among running backs in the 40. He ran a 4-4 and the vertical leap. He had a 40-inch vertical and the broad jump, 10-foot – 10 foot, 10 inches. And he was first in all of those categories, you know, just especially the vert and the broad jump. Those are, those are two uh, drills that I really look at. And I've I've learned this from analysts too. A lot of them look at it as really good indicators of of overall athleticism. And that really translates well to actual NFL play. Some of the deeper wide receivers too. There's a lot of big freakish fast wide receivers once again this year Hakeem Butler from Iowa State six foot five with a six foot 11 wingspan he has some of the largest hands they've ever tested for a wide receiver at the draft and he ran a 448 at that size Miles Boykin Notre Dame 
He's six foot four, two twenty. He ran a four four two with a forty three and a half inch vertical, eleven foot nine inch broad jump, and then Emmanuel Hall, who is another wide receiver from Missouri, actually went to Centennial High School in Franklin. He's six foot two, ran a four three nine, another forty three and a half inch vertical. So just some big, fast, freaky wide receivers, and most of them, all three of those guys anyway, were really productive in college too. They're not just athletic freaks. Yeah, and you guys, both you guys mentioned DJ Metcalf, the receiver from Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned his measurables, Brian, but 6'3", 228. He had the fastest 40 time by a player over 225 pounds since the 2003 combine when they really started recording all the, the next-gen stats. He has really similar measurables to, like, Calvin Johnson from the 2007 combine. So I think he's the guy whose stock probably rose the most from this past week's combine. That uh, He was a guy that was not even picked to go in the first round and then after uh, the combine, some were picking him to go number nine to the Bills. Do you guys see him going that high? I, I, I do not. Uh, I mean, I, I, not personally. I, I don't know. I don't see him going that high. I, he might go that high, but I think it'd be a mistake. Um, this is a guy, and you can put some of the blame on the quarterback and certainly on the offensive line of Ole Miss, but, uh, you know, just not terribly productive uh, in college. and. I hope he's not one of those combine heroes, but uh, I don't know. I I haven't, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen enough tape on him to uh, really be able to tell uh, how the how his real uh, football skills are going to translate to the NFL. Maybe it's because of the experience, like you said, we had more tape. But I'm I'm kind of excited about AJ Brown. I mean, I kind of feel like he's maybe a little bit more tape on him. You know, he's he's got a. I feel like he may end up being a better of the two. I think he, he seems to me to be the more natural wide receiver, not as much of the athletic freak, but more of a wide receiver who'll just go get the ball when it's in the air kind of guy. Let's, uh, let's stick to the format we did this time a year ago, guys, and we'll, we'll try to break up these position groups over a couple of episodes here. So uh, we talked a little bit about the guys, the marquee names that stood out from the combine, and let's, uh, let's just cover the quarterbacks and tight ends. We'll do later in a little bit of a draft preview. Um, but as far as the combine – yeah, with the guys we mentioned with, with big days, it looked like the guys who didn't stand out in a good way were the two top quarterbacks, actually. Uh, Kyler Murray is a guy who uh, measurables have been okay. They were better than expected in terms of his height. A lot of people talked about him being short heading into the combine, but uh, he's taken a lot of criticism since last week. A lot of uh, anonymous sources saying that he did not interview very well, uh, didn't seem very prepared. Um, his comps are like Russell Wilson – and Michael Vick, but Kyler Murray, a guy whose stock may have dropped a little bit at the uh, the combine. Next quarterback here is uh, Dwayne Haskins, a guy who also didn't time very well at the combine. Went uh, the forty time was five point zero four. Not not a great look for a guy um, who had a lot of fumbling issues last year. Not a lot of starts, and his comp is Drew Bledsoe. Brian, what do you think about Haskins, the guy from Ohio State? And uh, some have picked him going as high as. Uh, three or four, I believe, to the New York Giants. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be a mistake. I, he might end up being a good quarterback, but I think you're taking a huge risk with him because, like you said, he's only got that one season starting. He had a spectacular season, but, you know, so did Cardale Jones a few years ago. He had that one spectacular season and led him to a national championship, gets drafted high by – or second, third round, something like that by the Bills, and then you've never heard of him again. Right. So, I don't want to say that's what Dwayne Haskins is, but with only one year starting, I, I just 
I'm really hesitant about those types of guys. Next week is when the NFL New Year officially opens, and sadly, it's one of my favorite days of the year. It's kind of the the tease of everything, and and how big the day actually is has gotten um, less significant over the years because in, in the last few years we've we've heard about some of these deals and some of these trades happening, you know, two three days before the first year of the league. But that day this year is March 13th, so next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time is when the league year officially opens and teams are legally allowed, which is a funny way to phrase it, to, uh, to negotiate and sign contracts for these players. So any deals done before then is considered tampering, uh, but we know a lot of that stuff goes on uh, behind closed doors. Uh, but ahead of the start of the league year, uh, these players were franchise tagged. Uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys, Jadavion Clowney from the Texans, D Ford, and the 49ers kicker, Robbie Gold, who doesn't seem to age at all. So a light year this year for franchise tagging and mostly on the defense as a lot of these offensive guys just didn't get tagged. Um, but a trade today on uh, Thursday here, Case Keenum and a seventh-round pick traded to the Denver Broncos from the Denver Broncos to the Redskins for a six-round pick. Uh, Rish, what did you make of this trade? And is, is Case Keenum going to be the Redskins starter this year, do you think? I mean, I think they're in a better position than they were last year. Uh, I mean, Case, I, I don't know if he's really your franchise guy, but it definitely puts kind of a Band-Aid on the situation. I mean, it's, it's a start, um, but I, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I feel like that the Redskins had plenty of talent at wide receiver. I don't know if it's play call or what it was last year, but you have guys like Jamison Crowder and, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, throwing a blank here, guy from the Browns. Trail Pryor? Yeah. I mean, just total dud there. I, I I don't know where to start. I don't know if it's so much just play calling or what, but uh, they they need a lot of help for sure. So the last three years, the Redskins have franchise tagged Kirk Cousins, paid him a ridiculous amount of money to play on a one-year deal. He now goes, you know, last year went to the Vikings. The Vikings replaced Case Keenum with Kirk Cousins, and now the Redskins have traded for Case Keenum. So they're going to start the guy who got replaced by the guy they let go to free agency. So it doesn't seem like the Redskins really know what they're doing right now. And I'll be interested <laughs> to see what happens. So if, if the Broncos signed Teddy Bridgewater, does that like complete the triangle? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. I, I hadn't even thought of, of them as a contender to get Bridgewater. That's pretty good. So I feel like we, we buried the lead here a little bit, but the, the big story in the NFL right now is this Antonio Brown sweepstakes uh, Mr. Big Chest, as he's calling himself now, and deciding you know, which team – actually, he doesn't get, have it really much of a say in it. He's, he's going to be traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers. They said they wanted a deal done by Friday, tomorrow, March 8th. And there's been at least eight or nine teams that have been reportedly interested. Three teams so far today have already – there's been a, you know, a source has let out that they are no longer interested. Those teams are the Titans, the Redskins, and the Saints, all saying that they are out. And apparently the team that has been leading this whole uh, tr these trade talks are the, uh, the Los Angeles, excuse me, the Las Vegas, soon to be Las Vegas, currently the Oakland Raiders. And they are getting annoyed with this, this trade process as well. Um, guys, when he was still in play with the Titans, what were your thoughts about uh, AB going to the Titans? I'll start with Brian. Yeah, it was just going to, for me, it was going to depend on what it would cost. If it was going to be a first round pick, I'd be really, really hesitant about that. Um, I'd also be hesitant about giving him a long-term contract. And I'm just – I'm not sure he is that guy that would get us over the hump. I think it's most important to try to keep Marcus Mariota healthy and see what you really have from a full season of a, market, of a healthy Marcus Mar Mariota. 
Um, so I wasn't in love with the idea, but I would have swallowed it if they'd done it. What about you, Rish? I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm, I'm obviously the biggest Titans fan in the world. But one thing that absolutely baffles me, I'd love to look into this, how or why is Antonio Brown not on the Browns' radar? How, how come that's not a team that we're seeing in the mix? Um, I mean, I, I mean, Baker to him I think would be electrifying. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think he really answers a, a huge problem that they have. Uh, you know, and, and being a rival team, it'd be a great story. <laughs> I think it'd be – I'm really surprised they're not jumping on that wagon. I, I think, think that's the reason. Yeah. Go ahead, Pace. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's, that's the reason why he, he won't be a Brown is I think – Art Rooney, the owner of the Steelers, or the, the the Rooney family, has already said that they didn't want him going to a team in the division. But I think you're right. I think that'd okay. be that'd be a nice setup if or a cool story if he went to the Browns. But I think that's that's the the reasoning there. There was a rumor today, though, on Thursday that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. would be traded from the Giants to the Browns. So that would give Baker I mean, a receiver like like of of OBJ's caliber. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would have been a more perfect fit uh, for sure. One of those big-name wide receivers there I think would be great. I really don't think the Browns are far from being, you know, a really good contender. I'm just just kind of surprised. that, But that makes sense, obviously, why they wouldn't allow that to happen now. Brian, which which team makes the most sense to you now? Of all the teams I mentioned already that are, are crossed off the list, who do you think makes the most sense for Antonio Brown at this point? Well, I'm not – Sure that they're the team that makes the most sense, but certainly the team with the most ammo to use for a trade would be the Oakland soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, for sure. Uh, all those Absolutely. first round picks. And uh it those obviously having three first round picks, each of them is not as valuable as if you only had one. So uh adding who a guy who is still uh in his age 30 or 31 season, mm. still a top five wide receiver in the NFL, uh, I, I think would be a great move for, you know, one of your lower first round picks. Oh, no doubt. But see here, And I got to, I got to step in here. My thing with that, that would be really frustrating if you're a fan is you have Amari Cooper on your roster and you give him up for a first round pick already. Wouldn't that be the one that you pick up the two? I mean, I'm sure that Brown has more production, but you got to think with, all the baggage he's carrying and everything, really which one is the better choice of the two? Oh, yeah, from a fan's perspective, I would definitely agree with you. But you got to think, too, that it's a completely new regime uh, in Oakland now with Mike Mayock over there now. Right. So, you know, he, he may have hated the, uh, the the Amari Cooper trade all along and wants to get another number one wide receiver. And his team is the one that has more ammo than anybody else to do so. I'm not saying that'd be the best fit for him. I have, I don't know what would be the best fit. Uh, if he had gone to the Saints, I mean, that would have, I think that would be a move that would put them uh, well above the Rams. But uh, with them bowing out, I don't, I don't know where the best place for him now is. Maybe the Browns, uh, that, that would be a great fit. You're right. But yeah, there's no way Pittsburgh trades him within the division and has to play him twice a year. Rish, Rish, what about the Green Bay Packers? Which team would be more unfair to trade for Antonio Brown, the Packers or the Saints, like Brian just mentioned? Well, and that's the thing. Even with the Packers, I mean, do they really need them? I mean, they've never, I mean, I can't really think of a really huge wide receiver that Green Bay's had to have. I mean, they produce great receivers, but I don't even know if Green Bay needs to spend that kind of money. Do they really need another big-name receiver? 
I'm just thinking if you if you pair him with Devontae Adams, it's it's over. That's that's a much better pairing. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster is already probably a top fifteen wide receiver. Uh, but man, you put AB with Devontae Adams, and you just imagine the fantasy numbers that both those guys would put up. Well, yeah, that's very true. Very true. All right. The uh, the other name here in uh, Pittsburgh, or formerly in Pittsburgh, is Le'Veon Bell, who just turned 27 years old, I think, last week. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, sat out, of course, the entire 2018 season. And apparently, Rish looked into his crystal ball and saw that was coming because he traded away the number two pick in our draft last year and let the team he traded with draft uh, Le'Veon Bell. So good on you, Rish. You saw that coming. Uh, but like I said, the guy just turned 27. The three teams that have been talked about the most for Le'Veon Bell is the New York Jets, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Oakland Raiders. Here's one thing about Bell that people have to think about heading into free agency. He's not going to make as much money as he you know, thinks he's going to make, I don't think. But his playing weight is about 225 pounds. And a report that came out last week said that over the course of the year that he missed, that hiatus, he ballooned up to 260 pounds 35 pound uh oh, hey. 35 pounds he put on last year making him you know bigger than mike tolbert of the panthers uh so what do you guys think happens with uh Le'Veon bell I'll start with you brian uh yeah i don't think he's gonna get as much money as he thinks he's gonna get i i'm not as worried about that weight right now because he's a guy that that's always been kind of uh uh, enigmatic, I guess, when it comes to workouts, either he's all into it or, he, or he's not into it. Because I, I remember when he came in as a rookie, you didn't think of him as this kind of dancer. You thought of him as this big uh, kind of burly back out of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And then he lost some of that weight pretty quickly early on. And he became that guy who is, you know, more of that, well, he's not even a one cut guy. He usually makes two or three cuts and then just darts through the hole. Uh, so I'm not as worried about the weight. But I do think Le'Veon Bell, even even more than Antonio Brown, is going to be the biggest free agent slash trade acquisition that will have the biggest fantasy impact next season. Rish, would you consider uh, drafting Le'Veon Bell regardless of what team he goes to next year, or are you out on on Lev Bell? I mean, if Le'Veon Bell goes to the Colts, absolutely. I'd snag him. I mean, not early, but I mean, come on. You know, Gore, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he's still alive at this point, but – I, mean, I definitely would take him if he goes to a team like the Colts. Right, and then the free agent class this year is actually pretty good. Tevin Coleman of the Atlanta Falcons is a name that's mentioned here. Mark Ingram of the Saints, who we just talked about a little bit earlier. Golden Tate, uh, receiver, who I think is 32 years old, maybe 31, but a guy that uh, some Titans fans have, have thrown his name out there. Tyrell Williams of the Chargers. Adam Humphreys of the Bucks. Jay Ajayi, surprisingly a free agent again. Then Spencer Ware, uh, Rish, like you said, being the, uh, the the biggest Titans fan you know, what are your thoughts on Golden Tate maybe wearing two-tone blue? I, I like it, but I'm really, really interested in Tyrell Williams. I, I feel like he'd be a little bit better of a fit. I may be dead wrong, but I kind of feel like that Golden Tate is essentially a more experienced version of Taewon Taylor. I, I mean, it, it seems like the same style receiver. I feel like Taewon could be a true number one, um, which is – you know, something we need competition for uh, at the wide receiver spot. All right. And then last uh, name we'll mention here in free agency, I'll, I'll leave this up to you, Brian, is the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback situation. Blake Bortles still under contract, of course, but uh, there is just no chance he's the starter next year. 
they went with Cody Kessler to end the year as their starter and had Bortles on the bench. And it's looking like now there's a rumor that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to let Nick Foles walk and that the Jacksonville Jaguars on Wednesday will sign Nick Foles. So it's no secret that the Jags regressed last year after making it to the AFC Championship game. Brian, do you think having a quarterback like Nick Foles, whether he's a franchise guy or not, is that the, the only missing piece that they need to, uh, to go back to the championship game? Uh, last year, I would have said yes, because their defense the year before last year looked elite, but they really, across the board, took a step back defensively. So I'm not as worried as a, from a Titans fan's perspective about Jacksonville acquiring Nick Foles. But I do think he is going to make them considerably better, especially since he's, he's uh, reuniting with his former offensive coordinator during the Super Bowl run, uh, John DiFilippo. Uh, he's, at, well, he's the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville now. So this is a guy who really knows how to use him right. and well from that playoff run. So as a Titans fan, that does scare me. But I think we've got a good chance against them because I, I feel like that defense took a step back. All right, speaking of the Titans, the 2019 NFL Draft is in Nashville. It's in the Titans city. A lot of buzz is going to be happening here in Middle Tennessee over the next couple of weeks, especially there at the end of, uh, of April. Uh, I think April 25th, that Thursday, is the first day of the draft. Rish, are you going to the draft? Are you going to try and make it out? I, you know, I, I would love to. I've always dreamed of going to the NFL Draft, but it, it looks a little intimidating. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, so let's, let's get into some draft talk here. We talked a little bit about the Combine earlier. And I'm just going to open it up for, for you and Brian real quick. We'll start with you, Rish. I always like to do this when we talk about fantasy, we talk about the draft, about who we follow. Give a little praise to some draft analysts. I know that both you guys, and myself included, we follow uh, a lot of different analysts that cover the draft. Who, uh, Rish, who's, who are a couple of people that you follow maybe on Twitter or you just you like to read up on when it comes to the NFL draft? Yeah, Dane Brugler is always a go-to every year. Um, I like him because he really compares current combine results with past players and also does NFL comparisons. So whenever you're watching a player in the combine, you're like, wow, I could really see him being the next blank. Yeah, what about you, Brian? Uh, I'm, you're going to see my bias right off the bat because the guys that I don't like are all with ESPN and the guys that I do like are pretty much all with uh, the NFL network. Uh, so maybe that's just because I, agree, I can't by the way. <laughs> but I just really like, uh, I used to love what Mike Mayock had to say, and yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to kind of miss him for draft for his draft analysis, but outside of, uh, of the NFL network and ESPN, uh, Bleacher reports Matt Miller is somebody that I like a lot. I yeah. read a lot of his stuff. I put a lot of stock in it. I think my favorite draft analyst for the last, I don't know, five, six years has been Greg Cosell. And I guess technically with uh, ESPN doing that NFL matchup show, but he actually is the senior producer of NFL Films. Uh, he's been doing it for 39 years. And he's somebody who has, like anybody that I talk about and I offer any content on when it comes to any of these prospects, I probably heard it from Greg Cosell. Uh, he does these weekly interviews with a local station here in Nashville. So big Greg Cosell fan. I always buy the Mike Dettelier uh, report every year, the M&D report, uh, and read that booklet ahead of the NFL draft. And then, I don't know if you mentioned his name, but Daniel Jeremiah has the Move the Sticks podcast for NFL Network. He's great. So let's, let's go and let's talk a little bit about some of these quarterbacks. We'll do a quarterbacks and tight ends for this episode and do a preview of some of the best prospects. It, it looks like the five, six names that we're going to hear the most in terms of quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, of course, of Oklahoma, the Heisman winner, 
Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State we talked a little bit about earlier, Drew Locke of Missouri, Daniel Jones of Duke, Will Greer from West Virginia, and then some of these guys here at the bottom that probably won't make the first or second round is Justin Herbert from Oregon and Ryan Finley from NC State. Um, so when we hear all those names, the one that comes the most that we were hearing as a number one prospect or might go first overall is Kyler Murray. Brian, do you see that with, with Murray from things you've watched and things you've read on, uh, on the former Oklahoma quarterback? Yeah, I, I ended up watching a lot of Kyler Murray in Oklahoma this year. So I, I feel like I, I got to see what he's really made of. And he's a guy that, and maybe it's the baseball background too, but he's a guy that really reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. A lot mm -hmm. of people have said that both in terms of stature and his athletic ability. Now, I don't know if his mind is as good as, as Russell Wilson's is and in terms of uh, seeing the field and running an offense, but I think he's more athletic. I think he's a little more accurate. And he's definitely faster and probably with a bigger arm, too. So I, th I think he's a guy that can be one of those uh, all-time, potentially all-time great uh, quarterbacks who's under six foot. I mean, the, the list isn't a big list, uh, and, and they're not the best quarterbacks of all time by any stretch. But there's a lot of really – good quality Hall of Famers on that list. And I, I think he has the skill set to get there. I think some of that stuff you heard about him interviewing in the combine, I really think that may be just some smoke that some teams are blowing to try to drive him down from the Cardinals at one, since there's apparently this love affair between Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray. So right. that's what I got out of those. Some of those rumors uh, may be right and may be wrong, but I, I really think a lot of him as a prospect he seems to be one of those kind of short guys who knows when to get out of the pocket and knows when to adjust himself to find throwing lanes. And that's what's really key for those shorter guys. Rich, what's your take on Kyler Murray? I feel like if he's in last year's draft, that I don't think we're, you know, he's one of our top three even. I mean, I put him maybe still, at the, you know, even in this draft, I – I'm not, there's not really a quarterback I'm really ecstatic about. I mean, you still got to put Dwayne Haskins as number one. Um, and some people have him ranked as high as top 10, but boy, it's just, you know, like we've already said, just not a whole lot of tape. It's pretty risky. This is not the year. I really want to wait till next year before I'm searching for my franchise quarterback. Well, and we heard all along, even talking about last year's draft where all these analysts, like the people we just mentioned made comments like, you know, if you need a, if you're a quarterback needy team, this is the year to take a guy ahead of, you know, last year's draft because they're saying the 2019 draft really not a great year for quarterbacks. And it's looking like they were right. I mean, no matter how good or bad the quarterback class is, there's always going to be a team that needs a quarterback and they'll maybe reach and grab a guy like, let's just say like Daniel Jones from Duke who did not test well at the combine and, and, you know, tape looks okay, but maybe it didn't look so great at the combine. Um, but guys like that will always go higher than they should. Um, are there any other quarterbacks, Brian, that you're looking at from that name I listed or just from um, things you've read of guys that you could see maybe being a high round pick or a day one starter? No, I'm looking for my backup. I'm looking for, you know, somebody like that. Guys like Brett Ripon from Boise State, you know, late in the draft. Maybe a second round. This is not my year I'm looking for my franchise quarterback. Brian, of those names, any of those guys stick out to you at all? You think they, like, they could be day one starters? I don't think any of those other guys are day, day one starters. I think, personally, I think Murray's the only one with a really 
50-50 at least chance to be a day one starter. And the only guy, the only other guy on that list that I would consider in the first round would be uh, Drew Locke from Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had a really good combine throwing the ball and tested well athletically too. So, which of course isn't all that important for quarterback, uh, the athletic testing part of it. But uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him. And uh, he performed well for a Missouri team that, you know, wasn't top tier SEC team, but stayed in a lot of games. I got to throw this out too, but, you know, just for perspective too, and correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel Jones from Duke, was he not a a zero star quarterback? He he did not actually have a star ranking in high school, did he? I I think you're right. I mean, that's kind of (laughs) – that's kind of scary. A guy kind of, you know, coming out of nowhere, comes up in college and gets, in, you know, behind one of the great offensive minds. And, you know, he develops into something great, but not a whole lot of, you know, film or anything. It's just kind of risky for, for a franchise quarterback. You know, that's probably the word that I would use that I, the feeling I get more than anything about this group of quarterbacks is risky. I didn't, I feel like last year's top quarterbacks weren't anywhere. They didn't feel like they didn't have, they didn't, they didn't feel like they had the same level of risk as these guys do. I, that's exactly how I feel about this. I, I'm really just not looking for that guy this year. Yeah, and Brian, you mentioned Drew Locke from Missouri. He's a guy that I think his numbers may have been a little inflated because he had a guy like Emmanuel Brown, who you mentioned, you know, the kid from, from Centennial High School. I feel like every year there are these quarterbacks who looked good on tape, maybe didn't test well at the combine or their measurables weren't great, but they look great on tape when you watch their film from, from maybe the last couple of seasons. And Drew Locke's a guy from, from Missouri who definitely has those characteristics because you know, he, had a, he had Emmanuel Brown to throw the ball to. You think of guys in the past who've had this kind of you know, chance where they had like uh, Brandon Whedon at Oklahoma State. He had Des Bryant to throw the ball to. He just chucked the ball up. He's going to get the ball. Chad Pennington coming out. I mean, he had Randy Moss triple covered, and he would just throw the ball to him. So Chad Pennington's stats were completely padded throughout college. So I think he, he really went high that year thanks to a really good receiver. So maybe we, we might get duped here uh, with Drew Locke and a guy that had a really good receiver in college. But uh, you could say that probably about any of these guys. But as far as these quarterbacks, I agree with you guys. Not a lot of these are going to be really fantasy relevant, in my opinion, except for uh, maybe Murray and Haskins. All right, moving on to the tight ends, uh, another small class here for tight ends. I think the tight end class really, not that it peaked or anything, but the best tight end class we've seen was probably two years ago, uh, the class of O.J. Howard and David Njoku. That was the John U. Smith year, so that was a really big year. Uh, George Kittle, that was a big year for tight ends in, in a single draft class. Real quick, though, a George Kittle story just reminded me of this. I was at a Preds game, this was like two, three weeks ago, right after the Super Bowl, and I look up, and this tall, like, probably 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, guy walks by. I look up, and I'm like, that looks like George Kittle. And then I see a guy walk up to him, and he yelled, like, hey, George, let's, let's go, you know, on Broadway or whatever. And it was, it was definitely George Kittle, so at a Preds game. That's, That's awesome. I don't, I don't know if it's awesome or it's kind of sad that you could recognize George Kittle. You know so much about football, you can recognize George Kittle's face. It was really – it was. I told my brother that, who I took to the game, I thought it was kind of sad that because nobody knows who George Kittle is, but he was my fantasy tight end and uh, put up numbers for me. So I wanted to thank him, but I didn't have the courage to, like, walk up to him. Um, he did have on a P.K. Subban jersey, which was kind of cool. 
anyway, so the tight ends for this year's uh, draft class, the, the names we've already talked about, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, both from Iowa. Those are the top two names we're hearing. Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama, Caleb Wilson from UCLA, and Caden Smith from Stanford. Um, Rish, you mentioned Noah Fant earlier on, guys. You were excited about following the combine. What, what do you like about Noah Fant? Uh, is it his measurables? Is it some of his film? What, what is it about Noah Fant that you think would, would lead him to be a, a fantasy-relevant tight end? Speed. Speed and separation. And, of course, going back to being a Titans fan, we all know that that's what we need. We need guys who can get open. And uh, he definitely has that uh, capability for sure. Noah Fant led all of the 2019 tight ends at the Combine in five different drills. He was the fastest tight end in the 40, ran a 4-5 for a tight end, which is just really impressive. Had the best vertical jump, the best broad jump, the best three-cone drill, and the best 60-yard shuttle. Uh, Brian, do you think you like Fant better than Hawkinson, who is actually the the first tight end on uh, most people's you know big boards? No, I actually like Hawkinson a little better, but that, I really like both of those guys a lot more than anybody else in this draft class uh, from the tight end position. And I think, and I'm glad you brought up George Kittle because he's another Iowa grad. Mm-hmm. who uh, has had a ton of success as a fifth-round pick. I think Kirk Ferentz is just kind of a tight end whisperer for uh, the Iowa head coach. Right. To always have some tight ends that uh, typically don't have great measurables, but they just know how to play the game. Dallas Clark. Absolutely. Yeah, they know how to block. They know how to catch. They're just, you know, guys that are all around tight ends that really know how to play the game. And then, But, but this time he's actually got one in, in font that – uh, is actually a tested elite athletically. So, but I, I still like Hawkinson as a more complete tight end overall. What and about Ir- right behind? Sorry to interrupt, but he was right behind uh, Font in all of the uh, athletic testing. He was the number two tight end in right. just about every one of those categories and was really close behind him. So there's not much separation between them. Brian, I think you're kind of you're you're you follow Alabama football. I think you're a fan, right? I don't know. We I don't yeah. hear you talk a lot about college football. I'm not football. a fan. Well, I'm not a fan, but yeah, my you know my dad's an Alabama football fan, and so I'm an SEC football fan. I've seen a lot of it. Do you keep up? Did you did you follow Irv Smith Jr. at all at Alabama? Because to me, he just kind of seems like a dude from Bama. Like he's not a you know OJ Howard level tight end coming out of the Crimson Tide. Uh, I don't know. I. In some ways, I kind of like him more than O.J. Howard because I feel like he was more consistent than O.J. Howard was. He's just not as big, and he didn't test as well athletically. But he just feels like a little bit more of a real football player than O.J. Howard did. Rish, I mentioned that 2017 rookie class of tight ends you know, that had David Njoku and O.J. Howard and Johnny Smith and those guys. Where would you compare this year's tight end class, like the guys we just mentioned, Font and Smith and Hawkinson, where would you put them up next to – uh, that year's rookie class of tight ends? Um, I mean, definitely not as high, nowhere near as high. It really, the last two years, we've been pretty spoiled with tight ends. But there are guys in this draft, I think, that can definitely be a huge threat. Uh, I mean, guys that really separate themselves, guys like Zach Gentry from Michigan, dude, six foot eight, just monster, long, lengthy guy. But, you know, he's probably not got all of the intangibles down, but. You know, great leap, great long legs, just huge red zone threat. Guys like that I think are very exciting. And also guys like Caden Smith as well. I think those guys can really uh, be effective starters for many years. Rish, uh, we'll, we'll end the tight end talk with this. What do you think about people mocking a tight end in the first round of the Titans? It seems like a reach to me. 
Yeah, no, not going to happen. They said the same thing last year. I sometimes wonder if these guys really actually watch football or are really aware of actual current rosters on teams before they, they pick where they think they're going to go. I mean, the Ken Wisenhunt, Mike Malarkey Titans, I would definitely see them having like six or seven tight ends on the roster. But, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, maybe free agency they might look at someone, but not early. Brian Risch, really appreciate you guys coming on. You guys are our draft experts in our league. We're, we're lucky to have you guys come on and, and talk on the NFL draft. We will do an episode maybe next week, but more likely for the week after, and we will talk about uh, – let's do running backs. You guys feel good about that for the next one? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. We will, we'll do – we'll recap the uh, free agency period because there's not a lot of sense in talking too much about it now because we will find out next Wednesday where all these free agents end up. And uh, the safety market's huge. So it's a lot of defensive players we're learning. Uh, they're going to hit the open market. But uh, we'll definitely have stuff to talk about free agency class as well as the 2019 NFL draft class and the running backs. Um, so appreciate you guys uh, talking about the draft with us. And with that, we will move on to our league, the CMB Fantasy Football League, and take a trip around CMB. It's time for the Call of the Week. It's been a while since we've had a podcast, Zach, and it's also been a while since we've had on a guest on this podcast. It's been even longer since we had on this next one here. This is a member of our own league of Big Orange Bullies, Chase Gaw. Chase, you announced some big news this past week on the Facebook group. Uh, remind us again of that news and, uh, and give us kind of some updates on what's going on with your life these days. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I posted in the group yesterday <clears throat> that uh, <clears throat> my wife and I are – <clears throat> Sorry, I got nacho chips from uh, Cinco Amigos. I was in yeah. Cookville. You're getting choked <laughs> up. Watched in my throat. <laughs> You're getting Sorry choked up that. about yeah, this I'm announcement. Getting, getting so emotional about this yeah. news. Now, uh, but my wife and I are having a baby here in September, uh, and the due date is actually September 2nd, which is Labor Day. So that whole weekend, if it comes that weekend, is going to be off the table for me to draft. So posted yesterday in the Facebook group about what my options should be kind of put a poll there just for fun even though I kind of knew it would go the way that it did yeah one of the options chase in that poll was for you to step aside from the league and I I don't know I thought maybe somebody would would pick that option but no one did so that's that's a good thing <laughs> I'm glad they didn't uh, I also put in there that I would just forget about my wife and kid and come draft anyway and nobody picked that I figured that would get picked with by somebody at least but nobody picked that at least the last time I looked I personally expected Jordan Iwanazin to pick one of those two that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's – I don't know. He's kind of gone at me the last few years. So, yeah. if he wanted me out, that was his chance. But yep. he missed it. <laughs> All right. So, Chase, uh, big news in your personal life. Congratulations on uh, becoming a dad oh, here. You. And uh, it was a resounding vote. The option was for you to bring in a new co-manager uh, to draft for you because, you know, like you said, the, the due date right around our draft. So with you not being able to make it and you want to, you know, stay in our league, there's always been this uh, line out the door, if you will, of people waiting to get to join this league. And uh, you're bringing on someone new to Big Orange Bullies. Do you want to go ahead and, and introduce this uh, co-manager? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely bringing on someone new, someone that I've had uh, kind of on my mind the last couple of years. I've always been a want to be solo kind of person to do everything myself, but now with all this happening, it's time to let someone else, and I'm happy to let someone else come in the group because, I mean, it's the most fun league I've ever been a part of. So just to keep adding to it just makes our league a little bit better, I think. 
So I had two requirements. The person needed to love fantasy football. And then the other was love UT football. They don't fit that second requirement. They're actually a Vanderbilt fan. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know about the name. I mean, I'm the owner of the team, so maybe the name stayed. <laughs> but, uh, but then the other big quality is this person also loves Campbell Ball, comes out each and every week to Campbell Ball. So I think he's here on the line with us. So I'll just introduce uh, Mr. Carver Moore. Applause. Applause. You're welcome. Appreciate y'all for having me. Yeah. Hey, Carver, this, I don't know if you heard what I was saying earlier, but this league is one of those where a lot of people for several years have tried to get in. Chase has been in this league. I want to say since we were at Cookville high school. So it's been quite a while. Yeah. Uh, how, how excited are you yeah, to right be in this league? I'm really excited. I've heard a lot about it. And, uh, you know, Chase, he keeps me updated a lot with it and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I play in a league with him and his family. So I'm, you know, I have a background in fantasy football, but I've just heard that, you know, the Camel Ball League is, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those legendary, legendary leagues. Chase was saying you're, you're a Vanderbilt fan. You're a team of uh, the black and gold. So can we expect Big Orange Bullies to take Jordan Matthews in the first round? I don't know about that. No, uh, I'm I'm always pretty level level headed with drafts and uh, everything like that. So I I'm gonna be completely unbiased. So you know, if there's a, like an Alabama guy or a UT guy or something like that that can make an impact for the good of the team, then you can expect me to either draft that person or uh, uh, add him in free agency. So. Chase, well, I'm, I'm giving you a uh, one-year temporary contract here. So if you pulled anything like draft Jordan Matthews, <laughs> you'd be gone. <laughs> hey, Chase, uh, I hope you'll be honest with this answer, Chase. But when you uh, were with your wife and you guys were at the uh, the baby doctor, I'm not sure the actual title for this, and they told you the due date, how how quickly did you think of the draft? Like, how fast did that come in your mind? Like, oh no, that's going to be the same weekend. Oh, very fast, because not only is that our draft weekend, that's the first weekend of college football. So, like, oh, well, that's uh, that goes that great weekend I always look forward to. But now I'm looking forward to it in a different way. So, I mean, boy, and let's girl. just say I hope I hope I'm a better dad than I am a fantasy football player, because I don't want to finish like ninth place every year. <laughs> I'm sure Jeff Fisher's a great dad. <laughs> Chase, what's what? What are the chances you name this kid Peyton, boy or girl? Uh, I actually asked Lauren about that. I don't think she's too uh, cool with it, but she's a school teacher, and she says that she's had so many Peytons over the years, just in school, just because Tennessee is such a hotbed for the mm. name Peyton. Yep. Kids born in the late '90s to early mid 2000s. There's so many Peytons in Tennessee. All right, Carver Chase is a diehard Colts fan. He's, uh, you know, Andrew Luck through and through. Who's your NFL team? We know you're a fan of, of Vandy, but is there an NFL team that you follow? Uh, Titans. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm more into like fantasy football. I, you know, that kind of keeps me kind of level with the teams. But you know, I pull for the Titans and stuff like that. So. I like it. All right. Uh, hey, Chase and, and Carver, too. I have a nickname for uh, – not for the team, but for Carver already uh, in the league. I want to know your thoughts. What about the historian? Ooh, the historian? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's definitely that. Yeah. The historian, like for it. sure. All right. I uh, like it. I like it. Carver, welcome to the league. Chase, congratulations. Zach, do you have any, like, baby advice or dad advice for, uh, for Chase before <laughs> we let him go? No, I was just – 
just thinking of how what a tough time they're going to have picking names with his with his wife being a teacher any bad experience that his wife has had <laughs> certain That's names 100 the case she's already ruled out like yeah. half the names yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> good luck good luck yeah yeah all right thank you <laughs> thanks guys but yeah i mean if uh, i'm not there that weekend and i don't expect to be i will definitely miss the draft but you know, I'm confident Carver's going to step in and uh, get us a good team, and I'm sure I'll be on the phone with him that night. Uh, you know, uh, any any like big decisions, I'll dial up Chase or have have the phone handy, you know, shoot him a text or whatever, and uh, you know, kind of like a kind of like the the real guys do. So, but I've always yeah, heard we're, a lot of... we're good to go. We're we're coming for eighth place this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, I've always heard a lot of legendary things about the draft. So, heard y'all have a you should have a really good time, so I'm yeah, excited about it. We're looking forward to you being a part of it. Best of luck this year, you guys. And uh, Chase, best of luck with everything uh, with the kids. So thanks for coming on, you guys. All right, thank you. And you right, have a good uh, wedding this year, too. Thank you. Once again, that was Chase Gaw and Carver Moore, the newly formed uh, co-managers. I don't know if they'll keep the name Big Orange Bullies. It sounds like the house is divided there with, with Tennessee and Vandy. Zach, what do you think about uh, Carver joining the league? Yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, the – the more the merrier. I'm glad the league is growing. I think it's good. And uh, Carver's a good guy. He's always out there helping with Campbell Ball um, before and after, you know, just all the the field maintenance and stuff like that. So he really helps out a lot. So uh, glad he gets to get in the league. Yeah, I'm glad that, that this, you know, presented itself because we had a situation like this a couple of years ago where Jake Standifer had to leave the league because he was going to miss the draft. And so he almost didn't get back in. So I'm, I'm glad that, that Chase keeps his spot. Um, it's exciting stuff for him and his wife. So um, we'll move on here. But, uh, yeah, the new Big Orange Bullies. Yep. All right, Zach, you posted this, I want to say, earlier this week about um, the March Madness Extra Life Challenge. This is something we're doing as like a, not like a replacement, but we, we didn't do a Super Bowl challenge. So this will replace uh, the Super Bowl challenge as the extra life challenge. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, I sent the link out to everybody and I guess you got a couple weeks to, to register your team and make your picks. But yeah, so the team that wins this will get the extra life at the pre-draft meeting. So a little bit of a change up, but I think it'll be fun though. So the, the main rule was if you're a team that has a co-manager, um, only one of you can submit a bracket. So in our case, Brian is going to submit the bracket for our team. So Zach, this is probably the best year for Chase, who's a Tennessee fan. Like I'm sure every Vols fan like myself creates a bracket that has Tennessee winning it all. So this is probably the best chance that Chase or other Vols fans have had in a long time. They probably could win it all. Yeah, it's been fun, you know, uh, especially with those top three teams in college basketball. So uh, really looking forward to the tournament this year. It should be good. All right, so we have Chase and Carver confirmed for this year for the uh, Fantasy League. Zach, are all the other teams that were part of the league last year returning? Do you have confirmation on that yet? I will check around the draft, the NFL draft coming up. I have not uh, sent out that text yet to check in on everybody. So, um, you know, at this point, like Carver or Chase mentioned, you know, we pretty much know when the draft is going to be that Friday before Labor Day um, weekend. So, um, I guess I'll just check in on everybody, but we can pretty much assume that that date is going to be the draft, which is August 30th this year. That's the okay. Friday right before Labor Day, so August 30th. Great. 
All right. And then lastly here, Zach, I, I put this out on Facebook a couple of days back, but uh, guest requests for our off-season interviews that we always do. This doesn't have to be like a beat reporter like we've had in the past, although those have been the most willing to come on. But if there's like a fantasy analyst or somebody that you really want to hear, let us know, throw those names out there, give us some suggestions, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. Uh, Chase, Gaw, he's kind of been uh, the discussion this whole podcast, but Chase threw out Peyton Manning, probably not going to happen. Um, I mean, there's always a chance we could reach out, but yeah, maybe that was aiming too high. Um, but please let us know some people you want us to, to try and bring on, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Tweet of the week. All right, Zach, do you have a tweet of the week? I do have a tweet of the week, actually. Are you surprised? I am surprised. All right, so since we've been talking NFL draft on this episode, um, this was on the Dan Patrick show the other day. Mel Kuyper told them that he has never taken a bathroom break ever during the first round while on TV during round one of the draft. Through all <laughs> the years, Mel Kuyper. So that was from uh, Paul Paps, one of the, the producer of the show. He tweeted that out. So I thought that was an amazing stat, if you want to call it that. Mel Kuyper Jr. looks and acts like he's never used the bathroom, like, ever. <laughs> like, the way he acts on those things, he's just crazy. Yeah. I, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, my tweet of the week, Zach, and this was from uh, yesterday, March 6th, uh, recording this on the 7th, of course. But, uh, Zach, from people my age, because you, you're probably, like, a decade older than me or so, people my age only associate Jose Canseco with steroids. So I don't, like, remember him as a player or anything. Uh, but he's pretty active on Twitter these days. And he tweeted last week, he said, just randomly said, he didn't add him or anything. He just said, Tim Tebow, you're never going to make it in the major leagues with that swing. I am here to help you, buddy. <laughs> and Ron Washington retweeted that and said, this is like when Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the desert. <laughs> Ron Washington? I don't even know if he really, does he have Twitter? No, it's a parody account. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that's great. That was pretty topical for you, yeah. especially. Yes. Um, so that was our tweet of the week, Zach. We this is a great episode. We talked uh, a little free agency combine draft talk with our two draft analysts, and uh, we introduced the new team of uh, Chase Gaw and Carver Moore. And Zach, I think uh, that's it for the, for this episode. We'll try and have one again next week, and we'll recap a little bit of free agency and maybe talk some more draft with uh, with our two draft analysts. So, uh, Zach, any parting words before we go here? Nope, that's it. All right, see you guys. Here goes nothing. Oh. That's a W. That's E1. <laughs>